Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Believe in Navy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Wagner, longtime sports writer with the Capital Gazette newspapers and now the Baltimore Sun. Been covering Navy for a long time. Um, happy to be joined by my co host, Eric Catani, but we're going to be missing our other co-host Keenan Reynolds he's unavailable tonight so we'll miss his expertise but we're very very thrilled to be joined by Mike James who does the mid report on the Rivals Network Mike has been covering Navy football in some capacity for a long time well I've gotten to know Mike really well over the years uh we've become friends and Mike is very knowledgeable about Navy football so he'll fill in capably for Keenan so guys let's get right to it Tulsa on the road Friday night, 7.30, ESPN2 broadcast. Um, Tulsa, another high-powered offense, and they, they're solid defensively. As we mentioned on the previous pod, they, uh, last, last season Tulsa held Navy, and it was granted a struggling Navy offense, to six points at a 19-6 victory here in Annapolis. Now, they did lose Zaven Collins, the outstanding linebacker, Bronco Nagurski winner, Unanimous All-American selection. He was a 15th uh, number 15 overall draft pick and is now playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Zayn Collins was, was legit, but they got some ballers. And um, I'm going to mention this guy, Jackson Player. Uh, Navy's very familiar with Jackson Player. He's six foot 290. So he is built low to the ground, hard to get leverage on this guy. This guy can cause problems for the triple option. And Eric, I'm going to start with you. Um, In your recollection, what did Navy do against big giant defensive tackles that could be disruptive and blow up the option? We already heard Keenan talk about how Aaron Donald was the one defensive player who was circled with a asterisk, asterisk, asterisk when Navy played Pittsburgh. And I think this Jackson player is similar because Coach Nehemiah talked about him and said he's a tough hoss to get moved off the ball. What what do you do with a big defensive tackle so you can get the fullback dive going, Eric? Yeah, well, first, you know, I'm surprised how much broadcast we're getting, right? We're getting some primetime games being, you know, I guess, the third hardest schedule, you know, FBS. To handle a defensive tackle like that um, – you know, there's things I can say on here. You can't say what you tell your offensive line to do, but you know it's it's a hard job to handle that that guy up front, especially double team blocks. They'll be cutting his legs the entire time. It's a different offense that he's used to. You know, he's he's a big guy, can run around, but you know, with both teams allowing 32 points per game, I think this this game is going to be about you know which defense can step up. You know, this 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 defense, uh, you know, Tulsa I think it was a 17th in yards per catch, and then you know. For overall, the teams with penalty penalties, I was looking at the stats. Navy's like fifth lowest in FBS. And then for like Tulsa, I believe they're like the bottom five for theirs or bottom 15 or something like that. So, and then also the thing for, you know, Bill and I and Keenan were always talking about is, is take care of the ball and turnovers. Uh, Tulsa, you know, has only had two fumbles this year. And Navy needs to take advantage of that on defense. So, Mike, I'm kind of interested to hear you know, what you've been thinking. And I, I read bird dog when I was uh, in school and I, I still follow it as well. So I'm uh, really interested to hear what you're going to say. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. You know, blocking someone like Jackson player is, is huge. Cause if you look at a lot of the best teams that the best defenses that, that the offense face faces, 
you know, they don't really win on scheme. They win when one guy can beat the other guy and kind of disrupt the play because, you know, you can adjust for schemes, but if someone's just, just beating your guys, it's, it's hard to make an adjustment for that. So getting, you know, taking Jackson player out of the, the equation um, is going to be crucial. If you look at what Tulsa did last year defensively, they, they lined up with the zero tech and two threes techs because what they were desperately trying to do was stop the fullback. Last year, Nelson Smith was re- really only the only real threat that that Navy consistent threat that Navy had during the during the season, and they were they were they sold out to 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 uh, to stop him. I'm not sure if they're going to do that this year. You know, one of the one of the things that that is is if there's a silver lining to having a bad season is that when you play poorly against a team one year, a lot of times they'll recycle that same game plan the next year. And then you'll see, you'll see uh, the same thing and you'll, you'll you'll kind of be prepped for it. Um, I'm not sure if Tulsa is going to do the same thing, but hopefully if they do that, that it's something that they, the, the offense should be able to take advantage of if they know that that's coming. Well, guys, this is part of the reason why Navy made a switch and moved Kip Franklin over to right. uh, I'm sorry, Pierce Bambury over to right guard and inserted big Darrelson Masaniai. He's a hoss, young sophomore, six foot two, 318 pounds. You got him in there to try to take on guys like Jackson Player and neutralize them, at least keep them from getting penetration. Um, also, uh, they this Jackson Player isn't the only outstanding defensive player. And I, I remember talking to, um, to Paul Johnson about defensive ends. Whenever a team had a really good defensive end, Johnson would always say in his draw, well, we might just pitch off him. But uh, Colin Wick is a really good player. He, he ranks 10th nationally with seven and a half tackles for loss. He's another guy the Navy has to be concerned with. Um, you know, as much as Johnson said we might pitch off, I, I remember a really good defensive end who was chasing plays down from the backside. I think it was the Duke guy who was really highly touted. Mike, do you remember who that was? I mean, he caused some major problems. He was running down plays from the backside. Well, um, I, I I have a vague recollection of what you were talking about, but Cincinnati was doing that last week. I mean, and that's, right. that's actually that's actually what 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 they they tried to do was they tried to pitch off the d- defensive end la- last week uh, with some mixed success. So, yeah, that's usually on the backside. the The defensive end, whoever's coming on the backside, is supposed to get cut. But if you saw Cincinnati, um, they just used their hands to, to beat the block and then was running so fast and was able to, to track down Lavatai from behind. So, you know, it's one of those it's one of those games within the game that you're going to have to watch because you could have everything lined up right. Quarterback can read it right. But if a guy's just tracking you down from behind, I mean, the play's blown up. Yep. Eric, what is your recollection about what to do with a defensive end who's a, a can cause havoc? Reverse. <laughs> Navy no, did that last week too. <laughs> done a ton of times. I think Coach Jasper said back in the day, the first team that runs like a trick player reverse has, has more chance of winning. Some like weird stat that they had. Um, that guy should not be a factor. You know that if you're running the triple option as it should be, right? In practice, we do it all the time. We have speedsters off that just try to you know get there, right? Get that, get that guy, get a quarterback. If the triple options run how it should run. And that guy has a little hesitancy in his step because it runs certain plays, you know, to go after him like that. That shouldn't be a problem. But you know, right now our offense is not putting all full cylinders. And we were talking about that earlier, Bill. Like, you know, explosive plays. You know, where have they been in our offense? You know, what what's our ranking right now for you know plays less than fifteen? 
Well, Keenan brought that up when we were talking about why is the offense having trouble producing more than about 20 points a game. And we said we know they have it in them because we've seen these long, time-consuming drives. And then Scott Strassmeyer, the outstanding sports information director for a Navy, uh, listened to the pod and sent us the stats. He said Keenan is exactly right. And here are the numbers, fellas, and it's not pretty. Number of scrimmage plays of 10 yards or more, Navy has 60. That, la- that ranks last in the country. Number of plays of 20 yards or more, Navy has 15, second to last in the country. Number of plays 30 yards or more, four, second to last in the country. Number of plays 40 yards or more, two, second to last in the country. So the bottom line is Keenan was 100% spot on, no big plays. Mike, any comments on that? Yeah, well, when you you have to remember where big plays come from in in this offense, and it's not usually just one guy being so good that he just outruns everyone. Usually when a big play happens, it's because the offense is clicking so well that it forces a defense to cheat. You know, they might try to run a little stunt or the, the you'll, you'll see, you know, safety step up or something. And when the defense cheats, that's when you can pull something out of your, your pocket to, to hit the big play, whether it's running a different kind of option or hitting the play action or, or whatever. But if Navy isn't running the option just consistently well enough to force the defense to make those kinds of adjustments, then the big plays just don't open up. And I think what's happening in Bill, you'll remember back in 2007, you had Kaipo running the offense and he was, you know, he would, you know, run for a million yards over the course of a game, get gassed by the end. Um, and you would see they, Johnson would bring in Jared Bryant to kind of fill in at the last minute, but it was a, but when Bryant came in, they weren't running the triple. They had kind of like a, a set of a package set of plays that, that he could, that they trusted him to run. I think what's happening now is that package set of plays is kind of being extended through a whole game. I don't think they're running the, the triple as much as they, they usually would. Um, if you go back and look at, the, the Cincinnati game, you can tell what they were trying to do. They were trying to run the midline triple, but after the first play, they ran it on the first play, it got blown up. And after that, they had to fake it. So if you would, if you went back and, and looked, the, the defensive tackle who usually you option off of him on a, on a midline, he was getting blocked and they were just optioning off of the defensive end. Um, and so they were faking it by running the, the inside zone to fake the fullback read and then running some kind of double option to get outside and kind of mix inside and outside. But they weren't reading their way inside and outside. They were kind of forcing it. You look back at SMU, you had a problems reading, reading the triple. So they were running, they, they were blocking the, the dive key with the, the fullbacks, you know, stuff like that. Same thing with UCF where um, UCF, they actually did run the triple, but they knew, Lavatai knew he was getting a dive getting the, the, the dive was being taken by the defensive end on every play. So he could, he knew ahead of time what, was, what it was going to be. So he was able to, to, to make the right read. So I think you're, you just need to run the triple. That's, that's just it. And I don't know if it, if the quarterbacks just aren't comfortable yet, because I think really what they're just doing right now is just trying to find a set of plays that the quarterbacks are comfortable running up until the, they get to the point where they're comfortable running the triple option. Well, I'll tell you the one guy who was a big play by himself was Malcolm Perry. That was the one guy who could run, break big plays and, 
you know, a lot of his were unscripted. Uh, I, the best play for Navy that season in 2019 was Malcolm drops back to pass and then takes off running. Um, Eric, your thoughts about the offense, uh, what Mike was just talking about? Yeah, it's, we talked about this for days, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to see that, you know, the fullback is the, the leading rusher right now. And, you know, he's leading rusher by, you know, not, you know, a huge amount of yards. Um, but, you know, I'm used to Navy football is, you know, either quarterback or fullbackers going off. And now we need some A-backs to step up. We need some A-backs to make some plays. A's make plays, they always say. And and right now, you know, I'm not sure if it's a second-level blocking, the first-level blocking, or just the whole issue of us being a conference that they're used to us. You know, playing when you're talking when Mike was talking about, you know, 2007, that's when I was playing with Kaipo and, and Jared Bryan. And, you know, we're playing teams that, you know, didn't see us every year, didn't see us, you know, taking a couple blocks, practice that practicing that period, you know, every day because that is the conference we're in. So that was an advantage that, you know, we had was that the team wasn't really thinking about Navy. Navy was, you know, a good team. We're, you know, we were a good team. But when we play Notre Dame, they're like, okay, you know, we're going to play them every year. They're going to get used to us. I was playing Wake Forest back then. We played, you know, barely every you know couple of years. So that was our advantage we had back then. So I think the conference, when we first joined it, we, we absolutely dominated. We moved the ball a lot. Defense played well. So this game's going to be very interesting. And I think Bill's going to go to Chris next and find out what the spread's going to be. I'm, I'm actually excited. I think it's, I'm, I'm assuming I'm still at, still at 10. Well, Chris, yes, because we do need to talk about our sponsor, betonline.com. But, Chris, why don't you give us the spread, the over-under, and I can already tell you that uh, after taking a beating last weekend the in the Cervello household, our erstwhile producer is taking this Friday night off. Uh, what do we got, Chris? The bread has settled in at 11. Uh, Navy is an 11-point dog, uh, and the over-under has settled in at 47. Um, and uh, you're right, Bill. I... Uh, I don't like that spread, um, as we've talked about. I think if Navy wins, um, they win by a bunch. But I think if they lose, they also lose by a bunch. It's all going to depend on what team uh, shows up on uh, Friday night. Well, a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before is on Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so, fellas, let's talk about the Tulsa offense. They're pretty talented on that side of the ball as well. The quarterback is Davis Brin. He's having a strong season, 15th in the country in passing yards per completion, over 14 yards, 16th in passing yards per game, 275 a game, 21st in total offense, so he can use his feet to make things happen a little bit. He's got some good targets. Sam Crawford Jr. is averaging 18.6 yards per catch. That's pretty darn good. Josh Johnson's the leading receiver by catches, 43 for 582. Um, and they, they've they been out with the, their, their best receiver is this Cullen Stokes, who's been injured and missed some time. And then they've got a big boy running back. Shamari Brooks has been around for a while, and he's over 3,000 career yards for 
uh, Tulsa. And I, I was talking to Brian Newberry, and it would be interesting to see how much of the 335 high safe, three high safety look he gives, or, you know, as he, we discussed on the previous pod, Newberry went with Navy's base defense, 3 4, for much of the Cincinnati game. And that's because the game plan was to take away the run. And they did that very effectively. Uh, but he told me that you got to take the run away from Tulsa first and foremost, because everything Tulsa does comes off the run. They're an RPO team. So you got to establish the run a little bit to be able to get to some of those other plays. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on defending Tulsa? Um, you know, I will mention that Navy has uh, done pretty well against Tulsa and having covered all the games in Tulsa, I know that Navy is four and zero and has outscored Tulsa pretty handily. Um, so it's kind of an oddity that Navy has done so well at Tulsa over the years, but what's your guess as to what Newberry tries to pull in terms of stopping this Tulsa offense? Well, they, they lost last year's game, though. It was, uh, but it was tied at six with two minutes left in the third quarter. You know, the defense played well against them last year, too. Um, I agree with, with Coach Newberry. I think if you look at the, statistically what, what Tulsa has done, in their, their, they've won three out of la- their last four, and in their wins, they've averaged 270 yards per game rushing. But in their losses, they've averaged 118 yards per game rushing. So... Bryn has a good arm, you know, he threw for more than 400 against Ohio State, but it's really the, the running game that, that, where, that, that really determines how, how, Tulsa, how Tulsa plays. So I don't think you're going to, at least not at first, I don't think you're going to see um, as much um, of that three safety look. I think what you want to do is, is you want to stop the run first and then maybe on third down, then mix your coverages. Bryn's thrown 10 interceptions this year. You know, he's, he's been um, prone to, to, to turn the ball over a little bit. So stop the run first, set up third and long, and see if you can mix up your coverages and try to p- pick, a, pick the ball off. Eric, you like uh, the thought of uh, Newberry shutting down Tulsa? You think, I mean, last year, Navy held Tulsa to 19 points, and that was the best Tulsa team that, that we've seen in a while. And I should mention that Tulsa, played in the American Athletic Conference Championship game against Cincinnati last year. That's how good a season they had in 2020. But you like the uh, you like Newberry shutting them down? No, they're, they're, they're explosive. You know, they move the ball, they throw the ball, big plays. And, and you know, we've talked about it over the, over the weeks is Navy has not helped themselves with big plays. You know, every week it's a big play. Usually it's the first quarter, it's a big play. And Chris, your, uh, your, your thoughts of either Navy – you know, running away with it or Tulsa. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the opposite. I think, you know, our boys, you know, showed a ton of, a ton of, you know, I don't even know the word to say. They showed up, right? They were dogs against Cincinnati. So I think they're actually going to show up. I, I think Navy's going to, you know, pull out a victory. It's going to be close. It's going to be close, but I think Navy's going to finally pull out a victory. So, Chris, you want to jump in? You got any thoughts you want to add about this matchup on Friday night or anything you want to ask either? Mike or Eric, we've done this once or twice before, but um, putting the score aside, what stat, what indicator would tell you that Navy had a good night uh, against Tulsa, either on offense or defense? Yards per catch for Tulsa. You know, keep that, keep that big play down. You know, keep that, keep that explosive. You know, passing game down. I think we could uh, pull off a victory. Yeah, with uh, I was going to say the same thing as Eric. Just given you don't want to repeat at the Memphis game, you know, when you play an RPO 
or an RPO team like that, all, that, yep. don't don't give them the easy ones. Um, but since since Eric took that answer, then I'll say I'll talk to say um, distribution uh, of the of the ball um, on Navy's uh, in in the option. I, I think if you're reading the option, you see a pretty equitable distribution between the quarterback, the fullback, and the pitch. I think that's a good indicate indicator that they're actually running the option. They're actually reading their way to, to put the ball in the right place. And I think if you see that, then the Navy has a pretty good chance. Fantastic fellas. Well, in an interesting uh, little switch here, our alumni spotlight brought to you by new day USA is going to be Mike James, because yes, he is a 1999 graduate of the Naval Academy. And so Mike kind of, Reminisce on your times at the Naval Academy. Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? Was it tough or rough? Were you a great student, an incredible military guy who really uh, represented the brigade big time? What, what, what was Mike James like as a midshipman? You know, it was a, a little unusual for me because I went to high school in Northern Virginia. Um, I grew up, uh, I was born in San Diego, but I grew up, but I, I came from a Navy family. I grew up in Virginia Beach and in, in, in Arlington. Um, so I was actually a Navy fan before I was ever a mid, which isn't usually the case. Um, a lot, a lot of people, um, they, they kind of bring their allegiances with them to the Naval Academy with whoever they root for. But for me, the Navy fan experience was actually a big reason why I went to the Naval Academy. I grew up going to football games, you know, Alton Grizzard was my childhood hero. I, you know, that seeing the mids march onto the field, I knew I wanted to be a part of that. So that was a big factor in me um, choosing to attend the Naval Academy. And I was not a great midshipman, to, to be honest. I was kind of a, a stealth mid. I was not really remarkable um, in any particular way. But it was, you know, to be able to, to go to football games, go to basketball games, do the things that I loved doing growing up um in as a navy fan it was really special for me and being you know, sharing classes with these guys and becoming friends with these guys um it meant a lot to me because when when i was a kid i, I looked up to them so um yeah navy the navy experience was a little bit different for me i i, I would say um but uh but even though i might not have been the best mid i still wouldn't have traded it for anything and if I'm correct, you commissioned as surface warfare real quick. You know, what was your service like? I was uh, I was commissioned as a surface warfare officer. Um, I spent my first tour um, on a frigate out of Norfolk, USS Kaufman. Um, moved down uh, here to Jacksonville uh, to take over as a CIC officer um, on a... Mike, on a, Mike uh, I was on a frigate. Oh, I'm yeah? Yeah. 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 No, the fr frigate life was, was pretty cool. Actually. It was a little oh, swashbuckling, yeah. smaller crew. It was, uh, it it was, was jungle. Cool. not, not the, uh, not the platform you want if you were seasick like I was, but, uh, we made the most of it. Actually, our first deployment was, uh, was a NATO deployment in the Mediterranean, which was a complete boondoggle. We were in ports every weekend. It could not have been the best, uh, could not have been a better, better deployment for a first tour. Um, but I uh, did a shore tour here in Mayport, kind of set roots, um, and then uh, kind of settled down down here in Jacksonville for uh, for the last few years. So uh, now I'm I'm just uh, just following the uh, the program. Mike, what part of Jacksonville you live in? So I actually live towards Cecil Field. So um, okay, yeah, I took a couple of flights out of there. Um, yeah. I lived in Jack's Beach for six years when I was even uh, with Patriots and Redskins. I just had a little beach place and. Uh, 
11 South and First. I love that place. Yeah, I live out out towards uh, Argyle Forest around that area. Nice. And Mike, do you remember when Eric's prolific career with the Jacksonville Jaguars? How long did that last, Eric? Uh, a cup of coffee. No. <laughs> um, it was a year. It was a year. So it was fun. We went to London. It was great. Went on a Shah Khan's yacht down in the for, for Christmas oh, party. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, that, that yacht <laughs> is on. I was, I was walking through it. I'm like, this is like the coolest thing ever. I'm like, they like boats or any jets or anything like this is not a frigate you know this is not what i, what I thought <laughs> no, so. it was far from a it was, it was long as a frigate but he'd like three pools like one of his uh, elevator in there piano one of his like walls like what is that he's like oh it's like coffee leaves from like ecuador i decided to bring them down i'm like that's so sweet there's there's money and then there's shot con money it's a whole different world yeah when you own football and soccer teams and or sorry, football and football teams so yeah <laughs> so Mike has been doing the, as he mentioned, we early mentioned, he started the Bird Dog blog in 2007. He's been running the rival site, the Mid Report, since 2016. And Mike's real expertise and what, you know, is a major value to anyone who subscribes to the Mid Report are his breakdowns. Mike is just outstanding at reviewing the film and then showing fans in basic terms and explaining to them why certain plays worked, why certain plays did not work. And, you know, it's, it's really impressive. I've learned a lot just by reading his work and watching the videos and seeing Mike break it down. Mike, how did a former Naval Academy graduate and surface warfare officer become, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't even know what the term would be, uh, you know, film breakdown expert? I think it's really just a question of, of wanting to. Um, it's, it's, it's more time consuming than anything else. Um, I think... Uh, when you when you read about option teams and and how they've they've been covered for a long time, you know there's a there's a lot of cliches that that get thrown out there, and it was frustrating as someone who really respected what Navy football was about, really respected what the offense was was all about, to to kind of hear the same thing said about it over and over again. You know, you didn't really feel like um, you were you were really understanding what was going on. So what I tried to do was slow things down, take the time to look at what happened um, and kind of break down exactly what the plays are, um, what is supposed to happen versus what did happen, why the coaches chose to do certain things. Um, and by trying to understand that, I mean, even now I have, I'll, I'll I still have plenty to learn, but through the effort of trying to understand that you have a little more respect for um for the intricacies of, of the offense um, and just, you know, the kind of adjustments that can be made, the little subtleties and in, in blocking assignments uh, and, and things like that. So it's, it's a labor of love, but, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's worth it. So Chris, I mean, I know you've checked out the mid report and you've looked at the videos. You find that stuff interesting when you see Mike break it down and show that this guy didn't get blocked and that's why he made the play or the reason Navy was so successful on this, uh, fullback trap play was because they kept consistently kicking out the defensive tackle or what have you. I find it really cool to watch it breaking down and Mike puts the arrows and shows you exactly where to look. Uh, you find that interesting, Chris Ravello? I absolutely do. Like Eric uh, started following uh, Mike uh, when he first started. Uh, I mean, Mike, Mike is a classmate of mine. Uh, so we're both from the great class of 1999. So was really excited to see uh, you know, him jump into that. And as his expertise and the sophistication of his breakdown has grown, 
Um, so too um, has, you know, my, my followership uh, of what he does. So I, I love it. Uh, anybody that really wants to know how the option is run or should be run uh, should be following Mike James. So, Chris, were you an even more pedestrian midshipman than Mike James in uh, class of in in I tried to be uh, equally unremarkable, but that's a we, Mike and I. I think both wear that as a uh, as a badge of uh, of, of honor. Uh, you, you know, we were talking before we came on air. We've interviewed astronauts, we've interviewed admirals, we've talked to people that have won gold medals. Uh, you know, I think Mike and I are very happy that we uh, are, are men of the sports internet. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, we're going to take it out, but that's our alumni spotlight brought to new by to you by New Day USA, serving veterans, active and retired. Uh, outstanding company, and they save veterans a lot of money with their mortgages and refis, etc. Our friend Admiral Tom Lynch is a chairman of the company, and we thank them for their sponsorship of the alumni spotlight. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. If you're a fan of the Believe in Navy Football podcast, be sure to check out Sing Second Sports wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Several times a week, special guest Bill Wagner, along with host John Schofield and Ward Carroll, help you stay up to date with the latest in Naval Academy sports news as they dive into the physical mission of the Naval Academy and look at varsity sports, club sports, and intramurals at the Naval Academy. So be sure to check out Sing Second Sports. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.